Welcome to At The Buzzer. I'm your host, Dean McCollum, joined along with my co-hosts, Andrew Lubliner, Campbell Klein, and Tyler Fertel. Today's episode is all about the NBA. We will quickly talk about the NBA playoffs, then get right into our draft-style NBA mock draft. Now, let's get started. So first, we're going to recap about what's happened in the NBA playoffs so far. So the Milwaukee Bucks lost to the eight-seeded Magic in Game 1, but they bounced back and crushed the Magic in Game 2, evening the series at 1-1. Yesterday, the Lakers tied the Blazers, and now the series is even at 1. And the Jazz are now leading the Nuggets 2-1 after winning two straight on them. The Mavs beat the Clippers a few nights ago to tie the series one all. The Celtics go up 2-0 on the 76ers without Ben Simmons. The Heat go up 2-0 on the Pacers. And the Rockets go up 2-0 against the Thunder without Russell Westbrook. And as we know, the Toronto Raptors are absolutely obliterating the Brooklyn Nets. Guys, what do you have to say about some of these series? Well, something I'd like to point out about the playoffs so far is it looks like the uh, most interesting series so far, in my opinion, is the Jazz and the Nuggets, just because uh, most of the games have been pretty well, um, although the Jazz did just blow out the Nuggets by uh, 30 points. But I think that that'll be a really close series. And another thing that I found interesting is in the Heat Pacers series, there was a lot of tension going into that series about, you know, Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren and their previous beef in the regular season. And so far, Jimmy Butler has been locking up TJ Warren and TJ Warren is not the same player he's been for the beginning of the bubble. So that's just something to look out for. The Heat are really dominating the Pacers right now. Okay, so to add on what you said, Andrew, I want to talk about the Nuggets Jazz series as well. I thought it was a really interesting game too, as in game one, Donovan Mitchell put up 57 points. And in game two, I suspected Donovan Mitchell would come back and try to put up even more shots, put up 60, try to get his team to a victory. But instead of playing selfishly, he really played unselfishly, got all of his teammates involved. Every single Jazz player got shots up. And I think this true team effort is part of the reason that they're up 2-1 at this point, and they've blown the Nuggets out in the past two games. So I got to agree with you guys. I think that uh, Jazz-Denver series is really interesting. Mike, The return of Mike Conley in Game 3 is big for the Jazz. He's He led the Jazz in Game 3 with 27 points, and I think that's a very impressive outing for him in his return to the playoffs. So that's really good. But another series I think you have to keep your eye on heading into Game 3 is Mavs versus Clippers. I think that the Mavs in the first game, they were controlling the tempo, they were controlling the game. Then Kristaps Porzingis got ejected, and they lost that game to Kawhi and PG, who played well at the end of that game. And then in game two, they came back, and Kristaps and Luka played very well again, and they were able to pull away in that one and get the victory. So I think game three, four, five, six, they're going to be really interesting games. I'm going to go back to what Andrew was saying about the Heat Pacers series and how Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren were beefing over social media. And obviously, like, TJ Warren got ejected during the, their regular season game. But I think it's kind of funny because the Pacers are getting blown out by the Heat right now as they're down 2-0 in the series. And Jimmy Butler's been locking up TJ Warren. I had predicted this series to go to six or seven games, but it looks like the Heat might be able to sweep them. Um, so to take it to another series, I have a question for you guys regarding the 76ers-Celtics series. As Dean was saying, the Celtics lead 2-0, and Game 3 starts right now, actually. So do you guys think Joel Embiid and the 76ers are going to really give their full effort, or do you think they're getting on their back and accepting defeat? I think that the Sixers 
have, still have a little chance to win, but what they need to do is they need to get the ball to Joel Embiid more because their only chance of, of winning is if Joel Embiid goes off every game, and they need guys like Al Horford and Tobias Harris to step up and play better to their all-star potential. And if those guys can step up and if they can get Joel Embiid you know, like 20, 25 field goal attempts a game, then that's probably their best chance of winning because no one on the Celtics can really guard them. But right now, you know, the Celtics, they're a deep team and they're playing well. Jason Tatum's having a great playoff. Same thing with Jalen Brown. And, you know, Kemba's a good closer. So I think it'd be very tough. But the only way the Sixers can win is to just keep giving the ball to Embiid and just hope that he scores 40 points a game. Andrew, I'm going to have to agree with you here. I think that Joel Embiid is going to have to play basically every minute of every game for the Sixers to have a shot in this series. And in my perspective, underrated but overpaid Tobias Harris is going to have to be that clear-cut man on the Sixers roster. And I think that Al Horford and uh, Furkin Kormaz and Shake Milton are all going to have to step up and be good players in the series. I think that Brett Brown needs to get fired as soon as possible. He's playing Joel Embiid five minutes in the second half, and he's literally their only hope of beating the Celtics team. So Brett Brown needs to get it together or else I think he's going to get fired. The only way, in my opinion, that Brett Brown doesn't get fired is if the 76ers win this series. So if the 76ers don't lose a series, they could have a new head coach at the beginning of the next season. So Joel Embiid, like Tyler and Andrew said, are their only hope of beating the Celtics. Another interesting series so far is the Lakers versus Trailblazers in Game One. If you guys watched, I know, I know, uh, Campbell, Dean, Tyler, you guys all watched. Being big Lakers fans, the Lakers uh, lost by seven to the Trailblazers. It was a very close game, a very poor shooting performance by the Lakers. But in Game Two, they bounced back and won by about thirty points. So they showed why they're the one seed. And Anthony Davis had a great game, unlike Game One. But something I'd like to point out is that also Damian Lillard. He is going to play in Game 3, but he did dislocate his finger, which might affect his shooting. So that could definitely impact the series. And it's definitely good for the Lakers, just because without Damian Lillard being a, being 100% healthy, it gives them a higher chance to win. Also, something uh, that people don't really people didn't really recognize about Game 2 is that LeBron didn't have a good game at all. He scored 10 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists, and the Lakers won by 30. So if the supporting cast, aside from Anthony Davis and LeBron, can play that good, like KCP had a great game, Caruso, Kuzma, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee. I agree with Andrew. Um, I really liked what I saw from the supporting cast because LeBron didn't have a good game, but every other person stepped up. Like, all the role players stepped up, like Caruso. I really liked what I saw from KCP last night. So if the Lakers can play this well, that just shows why they are the one seed. So if they, if all the role players play well, and especially if LeBron has a good night, same with AD, then they're definitely going to get really far in the playoffs. Additionally, in Game 1, the Lakers shot 15% from three-point range, and in Game 2, we uh, they shot... 36%. So with that big difference and a 21% difference, I mean, that made the difference in this game. Like we said, their their role players played better. JR came into the game. He didn't come in uh, in game one. So I think that if the Lakers continue to shoot well and make over one third of their three-point shots, because they made 36% of their shots from three-point range, I, I don't see a way that they will lose that series if they can shoot that well each game. Now we're going to transition into our main segment of the episode, our NBA lottery predictions. So the NBA lottery came out yesterday, Thursday, August 20th, and we just found out that the Timberwolves will be selecting number one overall. So we're going to do this four-person style mock draft where everyone will be representing a few teams that are in the lottery, and we will all be making selections as if we were the GM for that specific team. 
So, Andrew, I think you're the Minnesota Timberwolves GM for today. So, who are you taking with your first overall pick? So, as the Timberwolves GM, with the first overall pick, I will be selecting Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards, he's the consensus number one pick. He's probably the best player in the draft right now. He averaged 19 points per game, five rebounds at Georgia. He's a really good fit with D'Lo and Cat because, uh, first of all, in the backcourt, that's a lethal backcourt, uh, especially scoring-wise. Also, he's a proven defender. Uh, I would say D'Angelo Russell is not a very good defender, so he definitely helps out. D'Angelo Russell when they play against uh, good guards. Another good thing about Anthony Edwards is he can create his own shot, and he's really athletic. Also, he can play good with a big man in cat with the pick and roll. So I think that he's a good fit, and he's also just the best player on the board. And the Timberwolves just need anyone good that's not a point guard or center. So I think that's, that pick makes the most sense for them. I agree with your pick a lot. I really like Anthony Edwards on this team. Malik Beasley might not be the long-term answer for the Timberwolves, and they're, they have a little bit of a hole at the shooting guard spot. And Anthony Edwards definitely has defensive potential, so I like that pick at number one. Yeah, I like that pick too. Um, Anthony Edwards already proved himself in college. Him and D'Angelo Russell are going to be a lethal duo. That's going to be a really fun uh, combo to watch this year. Okay, now we have Campbell, who will be representing the Golden State Warriors at pick two. So with Andrew choosing Anthony Edwards for the Timberwolves, I think the Warriors will most likely trade their pick because usually the Warriors aren't a low-tier team. They were just missing some players this year. But if I had to make a pick for the Warriors, I think they should draft 7-1 center James Wiseman. Wiseman is a 7-footer. He's super athletic. He's a great two-way player. He's a fabulous rebounder and shot blocker, and he's also a great rim-running finisher. So I think Wiseman is the perfect fit for them. People will point out he's only played three or four college games before he left Memphis, but Supposedly, he has a great basketball knowledge, and the Warriors have a gap at the center position, only having Marquise Chris as their other center. So James Wiseman would be the perfect fit at number two if they hold on to that pick. Something else about the Warriors is Campbell did mention that they it's most likely that they might trade their pick, and they could also package that number two overall pick with Andrew Wiggins, who's a young, star, who's a young talent. I mean, he's not really a star yet. He's not an all-star, but he's a good young player, averaging 20. He was averaging 20 points last year, so he can definitely be a good contributor to a team. So they could, the Warriors could look to package those two guys and maybe get a good forward or another already proven center in the NBA. Yeah, it definitely is. I think that James Wiseman, um, the center position is probably the only position of need for the uh, Warriors. So if they do not trade this pick, I think that's a good draft choice for the Warriors. Now, Tyler, you're on the clock for the Charlotte Hornets who jumped up a few spots in the lottery. As the Hornets GM for today's mock draft with the third pick, I'll be taking Onyeko Okongwu from USC. The, the Hornets have a big need for a center or a power forward, a center mainly. And I think that Onyeko Okongwu really fills that gap. He has the potential to be a good center in the NBA. He's a rim protector and he has bounce. So he can get those lobs from Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. And he goes along well with Miles Bridges and PJ Washington. So I like this pick for the Hornets. I think the Hornets really would have loved James Wiseman if he was still on the board. But Onyeko Okongwu, very solid center. I like that pick a lot. Okay, so I will be representing the Chicago Bulls in this mock draft. And I know this might be a surprising pick, but with the fourth pick in the 2020 NBA draft as the Chicago Bulls, I'm going to be selecting LaMelo Ball. And before you say anything, LaMelo, I don't think that LaMelo Ball could slip any further than four. He has to be picked up before four, or else he will just keep slipping and slipping as the Cavs probably won't take him. 
So I will have the Bulls taking him. I know they took Kobe White last year, but Kobe White could be a very good player off the bench. And also, LaMelo can play the two, but still bring the ball up the court. He's 6'7", and he's super versatile. He passes like he's on the Harlem Globetrotters. And the only reason I'm taking him, usually I would not take him, because I expected Tyler to go with LaMelo for the Hornets. I'm only taking him because I can't have him slip any further than this. And I think it makes sense, in my opinion. I've seen a bunch of mocks that have him going if he slips past Charlotte. So that's why I'm taking LaMelo Ball with the fourth pick to Chicago. Without a question, this is still a good pick because you're still getting a star in the making, LaMelo Ball. But if you look at who the Bulls already have, Kobe White can be a starting point guard in the league. And also, Zach Levine is already is all, he's almost an all-star. He's a really good young player. So I don't think they need any more guards. So I think maybe a forward would have made more sense for the Bulls. But I do understand your pick just because Zach Levine has been getting some trade interest lately and you know the Bulls are still in their rebuilding stage so if they were to trade him LaMelo would be good to move to the two but I guess you're right Kobe White could definitely be a good six man I agree with both of you guys I think LaMelo Ball is the best player on the board right now a lot of people have said that he's the most potential in this draft and I could have taken him at the free position to the Hornets but I went with Big O, but uh, I think that in Chicago, he could start over Kobe White. Him and Zach Levine would be a really good backcourt in the NBA, and I think that it's an interesting pick. And if he's not on the board there, the Bulls could definitely go a small forward there like Denny Avia or a, a couple other players. And there was one more thing that swayed my pick to LaMelo Ball, and that's uh, Jim Boylan was just fired, and the leading candidate for the Chicago Bulls' new head coach is Kenny Atkinson who's really, really good with young players. You saw what he did in Brooklyn last year. He turned Brooklyn into a playoff team when they were projected to be one of the worst teams in the league with D'Angelo Russell, all those guys. So I think he'll be a very good player development coach if the Bulls get LaMelo Ball and Kenny Atkinson as their head coach. Now we're going to move to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have the fifth overall pick in this draft. I will also be the GM for the Cavs today. And I have the Cavs taking Denny Avia from Tel Aviv Maccabee. Um, He played in the Israel League. He's a super versatile forward. He can play power forward, small forward. He's primarily a small forward, but he passes like he's a point guard. He's one of the best passers in this draft. And originally, I had the Chicago Bulls selecting him, but LaMelo dropped. I think Denny Avdia, he doesn't shoot well from the uh, free throw line, which scares me a little, but he's a boomer bust pick. And if he booms, he can be one of the best players in this draft. Denny Avdia, he's a good pick for the Cavs. I feel like a player like Kevin Love could really develop him to into a potential all-star. And I think that um, on a young team like this, he's going to have time to really become a good player. And I think, like Dean said, he's a boomer bust pick, but I think that he has the opportunity to be really good in the NBA. Yeah. And another reason why I uh, took Denny real quick at pick five to the Cavs is because I don't think Chetty's the, long, uh, the long-term small forward for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, he could be a really good backup uh, for the Cavs. But I, I feel like Denny Avdia will move the Cavs in a different direction to make a playoff push this uh, upcoming season. Now we're going to move on to Tyler, who will be representing the Atlanta Hawks at pick six. So at pick number six, I will be taking for the Hawks, Isaac Okoro from Auburn. He's a small forward. I think that he's the opportunity to go into a young Hawks team and really help them. They have Trey Young, John Collins. Uh, newly added Clint Capella. They have Kevin Quater. That will probably be their potential starting lineup if Isaac Okoro goes there. So I think that this is a good pick for the Hawks, and he kind of fills that void at shooting guard and small forward for them. 
Yeah, great pick. Isaac Okoro is one of the best perimeter defenders in the draft, and Trey Young's now one of the best defenders in the league. So I would definitely choose Isaac Okoro if I was in your position. Yeah, and like you said, that Trey Young is a ball handler. He needs the ball in his hands. Isaac Okoro is a great defender, and he's really aggressive. He has a lot of intensity. So he's going to bring an extra jolt to that team, and I think it's going to be very interesting if he goes there. Now with the seventh overall pick in this upcoming draft, the Detroit Pistons. Campbell, you're the GM of the Pistons for today. Who are you taking? Okay, so as the GM of the Pistons, we all know the Pistons are in the rebuilding stage. They traded Andre Drummond, their all-star center. They bought out Reggie Jackson's contract. They're looking for their next big star. And I think that player is going to be Cole Anthony from North Carolina. Anthony is an aggressive offensive player, and he is ready to be the team leader. He has always been the team leader on every single team he's played for. He can create his own shot, and he does need to work on his passing. I will, I will admit that, but he's a scrappy defender, and he's going to pressure other teams' ball handlers. He's, he's really going to light the Pistons on fire, and I think he could, he could be the start of uh, the Pistons' future. I like this pick here because Cole Anthony loves the ball in his hands, and he could definitely be the future for the Detroit Pistons as they're probably in the worst position of any NBA team. Now moving on to the eighth overall pick, Andrew, we know you're a Knicks fan. You're going to be the GM for them today. They dropped two spots. Who are you taking at pick eight for the New York Knicks? Well, I think uh, the guy I was looking at first, uh, Campbell, just took Cole Anthony. Uh, so the Knicks, they need a point guard. And in terms of a guy that will fit with R.J. Bear, but someone that will also space the floor out, I'm just going to go ahead and take Killian Hayes. He has great uh, playmaking ability and good vision. He fits well with R.J. Barrett because he can spread the floor, and R.J. Barrett is still working on his three-point jump shot and getting his confidence up. So I think he's a good fit. He might not be the long-term starting point guard right now, but you know the Knicks could use any help they can get right now. So I think that's probably the best pick for them. I like that pick a lot. They could have gone Obi Toppin, who is still on the board because the Knicks have the 27th pick via the Clippers in the draft. But Killian Hayes, I don't think he's a prospect you can really pass up on at pick eight. Yeah, the Knicks, they need all the help they can get. Killian Hayes is a sizable point guard. He's, he's a really good playmaker. He's a good shooter. And so I, I think he can bring some star power potentially to that Knicks roster with him and R.J. Barrett. Obi Toppin did fall, but the reason why I wouldn't take him for the Knicks is because they, have, they already have a lot of forwards uh, in terms of small forwards and power forwards. I think between the heights of 6'7 and 6'9, the Knicks have nine players in that category. So just adding another one of those players, I don't really think does much that's like the one position that they're they're good on right now so I think Killing Hayes just makes the most sense for the Knicks now we're going to move on to pick nine which belongs to the Washington Wizards Andrew you're also the GM for the Wizards who are you selecting here at pick nine so speaking of Obi Toppin dropping I will be selecting Obi Toppin basically he has star power he's a national player uh, of the year he can shoot he can play the three or the four so him and Rui Hachimura will be uh, good forwards together also with Bradley Beal coming back and hopefully John Wall comes back 100% healthy that could definitely be a playoff team next year if Obi Toppin can play to his full potential you know Obi Toppin is a really good player without the ball. He can set screens. He can pick and pop. He can roll the basket. He can catch lobs. He can play above the rim. So I think that it's a good fit, but also he's just the best player on the board at this point. And the Wizards just need some more firepower and star power in that starting five. So I think Obi Toppin's their guy. I like Obi Toppin at nine to the Washington Wizards because the Wizards are going to try and make a playoff push next season with all their players healthy. And Obi Toppin is one of the oldest players in this draft, so he should be ready for that NBA spotlight. Now with the 10th pick, the Phoenix Suns hold this pick. Campbell, you're the GM of the Suns. Who are you taking right here? 
Okay, with the 10th pick in the draft for the Suns, I'm going to be selecting Tyrese Halliburton, who is a 6'5 point guard from Iowa State. He also has great length, which allows him to defend both guard positions. And this is really good for the Suns because they're lacking on the defensive end of the ball. They do need a little more offensive firepower, but I think the most important thing is picking up more guard depth and a defender. Halliburton is a great shooter. He can be a secondary ball handler to Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker. He's, if not the best, he's one of the best 3D guards in this draft. So I think he's the perfect choice for the Suns. Now we're going to move on to Tyler, who will be representing the Spurs for today's pick at pick 11. Tyler, who are you taking? For the 11th pick for the San Antonio Spurs, I will be taking Precious Achua. Um, he is a big man that is strong. He's lengthy. He's quick. He can guard guards sometimes. And I think that on a team where they're getting older, but they also have young players like Derek White and DeJounte Murray, he could be that third piece that they need to get better in the future. And DeMar DeRozan could leave in free agency soon. LaMarcus Aldridge is getting old. So I think that the Spurs might be in a rebuilding stage. I feel like they're never in a rebuilding stage with Greg Popovich. But I think that Precious Achua can bring another nice asset to that Spurs team. Yeah, I'd like to say that Precious Achua was sort of like a Swiss army knife on the court. I know Andrew thinks he's not a center, but he can play the center position. He can play small forward, power forward, and center. And the Spurs have a pretty crowded backcourt with DeJounte Murray, Brent Forbes, Derek White. So I think he'd be a pretty good fit for them. He's, um, he plays similarly to Clippers big man Montrez Harrell, who's also 6'9". Precious is 6'9", too. So I think that, uh, Dean said, he's very valuable on the court. He's like a Swiss Army knife. So he, he can be a good player for the Spurs in the future. Now we're going to move on to the next pick, which is pick 12, which belongs to the Sacramento Kings. I'm the GM of the Sacramento Kings for today. So with the 12th pick... I will be selecting Devin Vassell out of Florida State. And Devin Vassell, he's probably the best perimeter defender, if not the second best. Maybe you could say Patrick Williams is a better perimeter defender than him. But he has very big 3 and D potential. He's compared to Robert Covington. And Harrison Barnes isn't the long-term option for Sacramento as he's only getting older and older. We still don't know what's going on with Buddy Heald. And he can play shooting guard as well. So I think he'd be a really good fit for the Sacramento Kings. I was going to go with Aaron Nesmith, but... I'm going to go with uh, Devin Vassell as he can't slip any further than this, in my opinion. Now we're going to move on to the 13th pick, which belongs to the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm also the GM for the New Orleans Pelicans. So with this 13th pick, I will be selecting Kyra Lewis Jr. out of Alabama. I've had Kyra Lewis mocked to the New Orleans Pelicans for a while now because he's a speedy point guard who pressures the rim and generates shots for himself around the perimeter. He's a super gritty defender in uh, he's very good at creating his own shot, and I think that having him behind Lonzo Ball would be a very good fit because the New Orleans Pelicans backup point guard right now is Frank Jackson, and he shouldn't really be the long-term option for them. And if the Pelicans don't want to pay Lonzo next offseason when he's a restricted free agent, if he's demanding like 15 to $20 million and they don't think he's worth that, Kyra Lewis could easily step into that spot as he's super fast. He's one of the fastest in this draft. And he'd definitely slide into that run-and-gun offense that the Pelicans have. I really like that pick, Dean. I think that Kyra Lewis was a really good player for Alabama in college. And I think that he can definitely uh, fit well with guys like Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson because he doesn't need the ball in his hands very often. He can play on ball. But he can also have the ball, and he's a good playmaker, and he'll get open shots for uh, guys like Brandon Ingram and Zion and those guys on the Pelicans. Now we're going to move on to the final pick of the lottery it's going to be the Celtics via Memphis. Tyler, you're the GM for the Celtics. Who are you taking right here? With the 14th pick for the Boston Celtics, I'll be taking 
another New Zealand point guard, RJ Hampton. Um, he's a good fit in the Celtics. There's a lot of upside. Kemba Walker is on the wrong side of 30 in a young Celtics team who's going to be good going forward. I think that he could really fit into that roster and that he, right now, if he goes there, he, he would be the second string uh, point guard on that roster because Brad Wanamaker, if RJ Hampton gets in there, Brad Wanamaker would scoot down. But Kem Walker is a starting point guard. He's a starting all-star, and I think that he will be good for in the years to come. But it, he might be on his way out sometime soon, not maybe three, four years, and that maybe could be when RJ Hampton steps in and takes the reins. I really like that pick from Tyler. The Celtics are a super stacked team. I think they're one of the deepest teams in the NBA. And adding RJ Hampton to that squad would just be really good as Brad Wanamaker is probably not the long-term option at backup point guard for the Celtics. So I think RJ Hampton could really learn from vets like Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum aren't vets, but they're still very good young talents. So I think he could learn a lot from them and maybe become a potential all-star one day when Kemba Walker uh, is no longer starting. And that'll conclude our uh, four-person NBA draft lottery. So now we're going to move on to our 24-second shot clock segment. So uh, the shot clock question for today is, who is the most overrated player in the NBA? Campbell, you're going to start us off for this one. Who is the most overrated player in the NBA? You have 24 seconds to make your point, starting now. I think Andrew Wiggins is the most overrated player in the NBA. When he came into the league, Wiggins was a very high prospect, and he didn't disappoint in his first few seasons. I won't deny that. But he stopped progressing as a player. At this point, he should easily be averaging 25-plus points with his athleticism and basketball IQ. I just wish Wiggins was the player everyone wanted him to be, and I don't think he'll ever be a top player on a championship contending team. Andrew, you're going to go second. You have 24 seconds to tell me who is the most overrated player in the NBA starting now. Okay, so I think Chris Middleton is the most overrated player in the NBA. You know, he's on a huge contract, 180 mil, 30 mil per year. In the last five games so far, he's been averaging eight points. In the playoffs so far, he's only, in his first two games, he's gotten 14 points and two points. And I just don't think he can be the second option on a championship-winning team. And I think that the Bucks might lose and might not even make to the Eastern Conference Finals or even the Finals just because Chris Middleton cannot be the second option on a championship-winning team and Giannis is going to have to carry. I like the point you made. He's definitely one of the most overrated players in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think he can be a, a good second player on a championship team like the Bucks. Okay, Tyler, you're going to go second to last. You have 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. Okay, so my most overrated player in the NBA is going to be Kyrie Irving. I don't think he deserves to be on the same tier as uh, shooters like Damian Lillard and Steph Curry. He's famous for the shot he hit in Game 7 of the NBA Finals in 2016, and he's uh, he's caused a lot of locker room problems everywhere he's got the Cavs and the Celtics. He hasn't done it yet in the, on the Nets, but you never know, and I, I just think he's overrated compared to some other great NBA players. Now I'll time you, Dean. 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. So I agree with all of you guys on your picks, but I'm going to go with Draymond Green as my most overrated player. He is extremely overpaid. He's getting super up there in age, and he averaged eight points per game without Stephen Clay this past season. I mean, he, he's only a team – he's only good when Stephen Clay are on the court, and when they're off the court, he is just absolutely horrible. And I, that's why I think he's going to be my most overrated player in the NBA. 
And that's all we have for you for today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ATBuzzerPodcast and the platform you're listening on today. I've been Dean McCollum along with my co-hosts, Andrew Loveliner, Campbell Klein, and Tyler Fertel, and we'll see you next week. 